it's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. Try as they will and try as they might. Who listens to this podcast won't live through the night. So stop right now. Or don't. Do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Whatever. I'm just here to talk about movies and... Occasionally, I pretend to be smart. So, without further ado, allow me to welcome you back to the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, a production of the most unluckiest podcast around, starring your ghost host without the most. It's my pleasure, Postmortem Paul, to ask the question... What What lurks lurks behind behind Podcast Zero? Zero. And it's the first ever St. Patrick's Day based episode that's finally here two weeks late. But again, I say, whatever! Today we look back to 1993. It was a good year. Music-wise, anyways. And I guess movie-wise. But it's also a year of Double-laced L.A. gear shoes. Remember those, the L.A. gear shoes that they didn't have just one set of the shoelaces, they had two, and you had to tie them both up. Yeah. They had portable flip phones. And they called them portables. They didn't even call them mobiles back then. We had landlines on top of that. Like, that's a thing, like... I know, like, companies and stuff still have them, but... Almost everyone I know that, like, you know, lives at their residence no longer has a landline. It was cable TV. Cable TV was the big thing. MTV. Remember MTV and Much Music? Much Music in Canada. We also had, um, in 1993, a 24-year-old Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. This was her first feature movie before friends yes before friends this week's review for the movie of the week is from 1993 leprechaun two weeks late i know but whatever. however before we get to that i do want to quickly touch up on a few things number one 
Hashtag Restore the Snyderverse. Well, this has become a big thing now, hasn't it? Um, on top of that, it was probably my most clicked on episode for this podcast. I mean, the social media attention to this podcast was off the chart. Facebook, I have ne- I've never had an episode expand to that far of an audience. It was awesome. I'm not sure how many people actually listened or listened to the whole thing, but I'll tell you, it, w- it was just nice to see that one little hashtag went that far. But if anyone tuning in this week, um, you know, newly discovered the show last week and uh, you've returned, I offer you my thanks and I say welcome. <laughs> welcome to hell. But no, uh, super awesome, man. It was super great. And I mean, I, I admit, I'm going to say this right now. I admit it's probably not one of my better episodes. Um for the simple fact it was completely unscripted there was no notes to that thing at all i think i wrote like four lines and said do this (laughs) it was uh completely reactionary it was just a fan talking about whatever came to his mind at that moment um so in terms of like a podcast like you know in terms of quality and whatnot yeah not the greatest but there's definitely a lot of heart behind it um I'm not gonna lie. I'm. I've watched it three times now. The Justice League movie. I probably would have watched it more, but I've been doing other things as well and whatnot. So, um, I might also add, like, I mean, sometimes, like, I did that podcast completely spoiler-free, or well, not completely. I think I kind of spoiled a few little things mildly, but I mean, like, I tried to keep like the major points out of the podcast. And sometimes that really works, and sometimes it doesn't. And in that case, I feel it almost kind of didn't. If you want to hear a really good podcast, I'm going to recommend this, actually. Not a lurker's recommendation, but just something you might want to tune into. Um, Former Next Level podcast, uh, TFD Nerdcast, used to be known as Two Fat Dudes, whatever. Um... They did their review for both Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then Justice League. That's how you do a good episode. I'm not going to lie. That that was a very good episode those boys released. So if you want to check it out, uh, Zach and Chad, the hosts for that show, I'm sure they would really appreciate it. Um, Check it out. It's it's a really good episode. I say better than mine, but I mean, it's because they, they... spoiler alert at the beginning of their episode and they let it be known they're gonna talk about shit and sometimes that's better i am as much as like you know it justice league had just come out i wanted to give people a chance to watch it and whatnot but at the same time i find that when i listen to episodes that just full-on open up about a movie it's sometimes it's so much better but anyways that is what it is um Two things quickly, though, in regards to the um, whole re- Restore the Snyderverse. I cannot believe, and I saw this all last week. I can't believe how many people still think that the website we got this covered is a reliable source of news. They are a clickbait site, people. They post shit just to get you to look at their their website. That's all it is. 
three quarters, if not more. I fuck, I'd go as high as to say 85% of the stuff they post online is not true. It is stuff they make up. And yet I couldn't believe it. Like I'm part of a Snyderverse Facebook group and the amount of people that kept posting links from this website. And I'm like, guys, you can't trust this. You can't trust what they write. They make stuff up as they, they see a hot topic and they write 15, 20 articles and they make up shit as they go along. I can't believe how many people still are posting from We Got This Covered. On top of that, the other thing is, is and I'm going to use an old public enemy line. Don't believe the hype. So I know that Warner Brothers has been along with so many other websites and companies and corporations and entities and whatnot they've been pushing for you know the whole idea of stop asian hate and apparently warner brothers posted something on social media about stop asian hate and they got bombasted with hashtags of restore the snyderverse the thing is, is that you got to understand something. The majority of Snyder fans and the majority of fans of that Justice League movie are not assholes. You have a slight few that go online and decide they just want to annoy everybody, but half of them aren't even actual fans. It's people that have figured out, oh, hey, you know, if, if we... If we blast people with this hashtag, it'll make all the Snyder fans look like idiots. No, we're not all idiots. I'm personally really happy with the movie. I know, I'm talking about it again, second week in a row on a horror podcast. But it was a good movie. It was fun. It was what I wanted the Justice League to be. And I'm happy with it. I hope we get more. I'm, I'm like everybody else. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. But I'm not being an asshole about it either. And that's the thing. We have to remember that the majority is never represented online. This is always the 1% of dickheads that are on there. They're like, let's make everyone else look bad. So don't believe the hype, to quote Public Enemy. Um, majority of Snyder fans are just watching this movie and loving every second of it. And they're talking about it and they're passionate about it. And I'll also tell you this, that the majority of those Snyder fans are also excited for something else coming this week. Godzilla vs. Kong, the movie that's getting a theatrical release in Canada when no theaters are open. But hey, we will find our way. But I mean, we're excited about that just as much as anybody else. <laughs> I will say this. There's already a version of it online, a cam version. Wait, what? Do we even still have cam versions online? Apparently we do, but I thought that was funny. Because I've been trying to avoid spoilers. I kind of had something spoiled already. And there was no way to avoid it. I went on YouTube of all places. And here's this thing that's like, oh, hey, we're going to talk about this character that's in the movie. It's like, fuck you. But anyways, I digress. Anyways, just screwing around on the net, you know, looking at different stuff. And I find out there's a cam version of Godzilla versus Kong. I'm like, who still does this? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're at a point where pretty much everything now is 4K and HD, and someone put a cam version of Godzilla versus Kong online. I guess overseas, which is where it is in the theaters right now, um, it's a hit, so that's a good thing. Uh, apparently, reviews are mostly positive, so that's a good thing. 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I do hope that I will see it by the end of this week. Hopefully. Sucks living in a country where they're like, yes, we're going to put it in your theaters. Wait a minute. All, most of our, it's like 99.9% .9 of our theaters are closed. Oh, well, here you go. Here's the movie anyways. Yeah. Oh, Canada. Yeah, I will not do that for you. Um, Moving on quickly to Blu-ray releases I want to talk about. And then we will jump into the movie of the week, which is a fun one. It's a good one to talk about. But anyways, uh, Second Sight. Second Sight uh, Distributors, they were the ones who uh, released that gorgeous Dawn of the Dead box set way back when. Um, they are releasing on Blu-ray, Lake Mungo. It is going to be a region-free UK disc. So, I mean, yes, it's from the UK. Second Sight is a UK distributor, so it's going to be from the United Kingdom, but it's a region-free disc. Uh, if you remember, I actually reviewed Lake Mungo back on episode 54. It was a listener request from Justin Voorhees on Instagram. I remember talking about that. It was, uh, it was a good movie to talk about. Also, actually, here's a funny thing about that. I remember that episode a bit. I remember I talked about Tool's new album. Well, new at the time, uh, Fear Inoculum. I remember I was really impressed with that album. You know, that was uh, back to a time, a more civilized time, before the Dark Ages, before band touring was, well, sort of made illegal, um, you know, by <clears throat> cough, cough. Uh, you get what I'm going with. You get where I'm going with this. Anyways, yeah, what, back when bands were still able to perform live shows, can't do that anymore. They keep telling us we'll return to the good times. They keep saying it. It's kind of like a unicorn. We keep hearing about it, but we never see it. Anyways, yes. So Second Sight are releasing the Blu-ray for Lake Mungo on May 31st. And then one month later, after that, Arrow Video, they're releasing again. They've actually released this title before, but now we are getting a beautiful box set for the movie The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. It's a Dario Argento flick. Nice little giallo. Um, the box set looks gorgeous. I've already seen photos of what it looks like. Um, it will be a 4K UHD release. So, again, region free, even though it's, uh, you know, it's the UK... Uh, uh, what would you call that? Um, well, I mean, Arrow Video technically is UK-based. I mean, yes, they, they offer things to Canada, United States, and whatnot as well. But this is uh, part of their UK district, we'll call it. Um, but again, it's a 4K UHD disc, so it's region-free nonetheless. It can be can be played anywhere in the world, but... Um, the box set comes with like, uh, what was it, like six six postcard size lobby cards. Um, there's a poster you get, decent sized poster. Uh, the Demons had a nice sized poster as well. It was kind of nice. Um, and much like Demons, this will also come with a booklet. It's got writings that are, uh, writings inside done by writers like Howard Hughes, Jack Seabrook, Rachel Nisbet. And that box set releases June 28th. 
I know that it is currently up for pre-order on Arrow's website, but I believe they're saying it's UK distribution only at the moment. It hasn't gone worldwide yet. But um, yeah, looking forward to that. That's one I'm probably going to pick up because I didn't, I didn't grab it the last time it was released by Arrow. And since this is a nice little box set with a poster and everything, it'll probably be kind of cool, so... That's that. It's now time to get down with the Lucky Charms, Four Leaf Clovers, and a pre-friends Jennifer Aniston in her film feature debut when she wasn't annoying. I'll, I'll go further in detail on that in a bit, but first, let's do the trailer timeout. And when we return, the shared dead cast experience... We'll break down this golden gem from the early 90s, 1993, Leprechaun, created by Mark Jones. Don't touch that dial, kids. The Luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. on this thing and start talking about Leprechaun there is one thing I quickly want to say I didn't write this down but it just hit me now I was thinking about it because okay so we got the new trailer for DC's The Suicide Squad and it looks like it's basically uh, Suicide Squad Part 2 it looks like it's a continuation from the first film and whatnot and whatever James Gunn is the you know director behind it and everything and I saw a, a comment that kept floating around online and it really made me kind of cringe a little bit because I kept seeing people saying that he was injecting uh, the DC universe with his Guardians of the Galaxy humor and they felt that he, he was marvelizing a DC film. I want to stop right there and just say something quickly for every idiot that hasn't figured it out that James Gunn was a director and a writer well before the Marvel universe. 
He's been doing the whole humor thing for quite some time. I don't know how many of you are familiar with like his trauma days back when he was doing films for Lloyd Kaufman's trauma. Um, he did movies like uh, Slither, uh, Dawn of the Dead. He worked with Zack Snyder. He helped write the screenplay for that. And not to mention, he's part of the reason there was humor in that movie. I mean, Zack Snyder's got a humorous bone too that a lot of people don't like to acknowledge. Oh, he's always so dark and grim. Yeah, okay, but whatever. Um, he also knows how to inject some humor into a film. Um, but James Gunn, uh, James Gunn wrote the two Scooby-Doo live-action movies, which is basically the same kind of formula he used for Guardians of the Galaxy. So he's not marvelizing a DC film. Yes, he likes to bring humor. Um, that's a James Gunn thing. James Gunn was doing this before. He joined Marvel. So, yeah, i not saying that it was anyone that's listening to this podcast that was saying it, but it's a comment that I keep seeing online. And I'm like, people do realize he was a writer and a director before, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I In a world where the internet, the internet is supposed to be, you know, the gateway to the information era. And it's amazing how many people don't know how to do a simple Google search. Like, it's, it's mind boggling. You know, (laughs) I, I, I don't get it. But anyways, that's that. That's all I wanted to say is, you know, he's not marvelizing a DC movie. It's James Gunn. It's what he does. Um... As for this movie, let's talk about this week's movie. This movie is, it's a St. Patrick's Day tradition for many, many, many people, um, including, uh, you know, the television network sci-fi, which apparently do marathons of this every, you know, every March of every year. I think even AMC has done it at one point, but um, Leprechaun saw its North American release January 8th, 1993, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Let's release a St. Patrick's Day movie right after New Year's Day. Um, sort of weird, but I guess it is what it is. The idea, the movie, the brains, the direction, all of it came from the mind of Mark Jones. He's the writer and director on this film. Apparently, he says he got the idea for... Um, He'd had a lot of TV success. So he got this idea that he wanted to go into film and he was like, you know, trying to figure out what's the best way to get his quote unquote foot in the door, as, you know, people say. Um, And he decided he would go low budget horror because it's how a lot of writers and directors start. Sort of like James Gunn, who started with trauma. Anyways, um... So he decided he was going to go low-budget horror, and at the same time, he got the idea for Leprechaun based off of the Lucky Charms commercials. Um, Hence the line in the movie where it's like, uh, Alex is like, fuck you, Lucky Charms. Um, Well, that's what this all came from, was him seeing the commercials and thinking, what if I was to take a Leprechaun but make him evil? Um... And like I said, he had had a very successful career in TV, so he figured by doing a low-budget horror film, that would be the opportunity to show what he could do. Hence, Leprechaun was born. Um, 
Now, Jones has also worked on other films like Rumpelstiltskin, uh, Triloquist, and Scorned. Um, but TV work is where he he really had a lot of his success in the beginning. Uh, a lot of, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoon stuff. Um, and a bit of DC and whatnot. Like, uh, he did, let's see, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Uh, the all-new Super Friends Hour. Uh, what was the other? He did two DC things. He did Super Friends, and then he did the Plastic Man comedy adventure show. <laughs> um, in terms of Hanna-Barbera, like I said, Captain Caveman, he also did Yogi Space Race, uh, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show, um, and then he did some um, like nighttime TV uh, shows and whatnot. He did The A-Team, he did Riptide. Uh, there was the live-action Superboy show. He did that. And then he did a TV movie that they later turned into a series called Nightman. Um, the producer for Leprechaun was Jeffrey B. Malian. Uh, and I will say this. As he went further in his career, he kind of legitimized himself as a producer. But in the beginning, it was a lot of sleazy shit he did. Uh, movies like Camp Fear, Evil Tunes, <laughs> Evil Tunes, uh, yeah, uh, Angel Eyes, Witch Academy. Um, he worked with Fred Olin Ray, which, if you know the name, again, Evil Tunes alone, you know, for basically porn star looking women that are supposed to clean a house, and this cartoon demon is like basically sexualizing the hell out of them and whatnot. I mean, it's it, those are the kinds of movies he did. Um, so yeah this this film kind of almost I mean it's a low budget horror flick but it seemed like it was like one of the like the better films on his resume so that was kind of cool uh, cinematography was by I believe he pronounces his name Levi Isaacs and he worked on a lot of other cool stuff, uh, whether it be cinematography, director of photography, whatnot. Um, movies like Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat, The Giver, which we've discussed on this show. Children of the Corn 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee w uh, Zellweger. Um, he did 16 episodes of Tales from the Crypt. I believe he was writer on those, writer or director, I can't remember. I just remember seeing he did 16 episodes of Tales from the Crypt and the um, movie The Dentist with uh, Corbin Burnson. Our makeup artist for The Leprechaun, for Warwick's awesome leprechaun look, was done by Gabe Bartalis. Uh, and just recently I saw a really cool documentary with Gabe in it, but, um, he's worked on special effects and makeup for movies like Spookies, uh, Brain Damage, Fright Night Part 2, Basket Case 2, Frankenhooker, Leprechaun 2, uh, From Beyond, Dolls, Gremlins 2, Blade, Godzilla, not any of the awesome Godzilla movies, but the Matthew Broderick one. Um, which I, I'm not gonna lie, there's part of like a little, you know, a little carved piece in my heart for that movie, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not a Godzilla movie, it's a giant lizard movie. Um, 
Gabe also worked on Darkman, The Giver, and Underworld. Uh, I, there was actually a lot of credits I could have gone on forever, but th those are basically the highlights. Um, Spookies really caught my attention because I was unaware of that at first, and I was like, oh my god, he did Spookies. Great. Um, music by Kevin Kiner who has really made a bigger name for himself as the years have gone on, but he's also done music for Superboy, the TV series, Freaked, um, Star Wars Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., that is the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. <laughs> and uh, most recently, he's done the soundtrack music for DC's Titans and Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is awesome. Uh, more on Kevin Kiner in a bit. Our starring cast. This amazing cast of this wonderful, wonderful movie. Let's go with the star first. The star of the show. The star that gave us... Five more sequels after this one. Warwick Davis as the Leprechaun. Apparently, the Leprechaun's name was Lubden. I'm not going to lie. In all the years that I've watched these movies, I never knew that until I was researching for this podcast. I'm like, how did this always slip by me? But somehow or another, it did. And it's probably been mentioned in one of the movies somewhere, and I just never caught it. I'm not great at... I'll, I'll be honest with you, with you guys. Doing this podcast has been sort of a learning experience for me, because a lot of the times when I watch movies, I don't pay attention to everything. This podcast has taught me how to sort of be more of a critic, to pay attention to the details. But I'm not going to lie, there's some movies that I watched... I watched when I was younger and it was just, I just enjoyed them for what they were and didn't pay attention to all the little nuances. Doing this podcast has really changed that. So anyways, Warwick was also in a lot of cool shit I watched as a kid, uh, starting with Return of the Jedi. He was uh, Wicket the Ewok. Then he was in the Ewok Adventure. Then he was in... The Ewoks Battle for Endor. Uh, rumor has it those are coming to Disney Plus, by the way. That's pretty cool because I have not seen those since I was a kid. So this is pretty cool. I'm actually going to look forward to watching them. I know they're bad. Don't You don't have to tell me. But it's still it's going to be fun to watch. I was in the movie Labyrinth, which is an awesome flick. One day I will review that on this, on this podcast. Um, the movie Willow. Uh, Leprechaun films one through six. He was not in the last two. He's been in, I think, every single one of the Harry Potter films as a character or another. Um, usually a, a troll or an elf or whatever. Like he likes to play, you know, he plays the roles of the little people and stuff. Uh, usually at Gringotts, I believe it is, at the bank. At, at the bank. Um, he's uh, usually had a role there. I, I think he had like, two or three roles in within the Harry Potter films, which is why I didn't specify which ones. He was in the Hitchhike, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He was in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Star Wars Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Star Wars Rebels, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, he, 
He's really worked a lot within the Star Wars universe. As a matter of fact, I believe when he when he was doing this film, there is a credit at the end of the film, special thanks to George Lucas. He was still under contract to George Lucas when approached to do this film, and George basically told him, it's okay, you can go do that too. So that's kind of cool because... I think Lucas basically owns them. <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying by contract. Um, next up, Jennifer Aniston as Tori Redding. Um, okay, so Jennifer Aniston also was in Friends. Yes. Not a fan of the show, but she was a part of it. Sometimes whenever I did get stuck watching Friends, she might have been one of the Two reasons why I sometimes watched it. Courtney Cox being the other one. But let's be honest, I really didn't care for the show. Now, I will say, though, that Jennifer Aniston was also in the movie Office Space, which I fucking love. So I'm okay with this. Then she was in a lot of movies that I just don't give a shit about. Um, They're just not my thing. (laughs) So I didn't write them down. She was in the movie Horrible Bosses. For those of you who like that film, I care for it but she's in like a lot of like rom-coms and dramas and christmas movies and stuff and i'm like that's not not my thing so it's awesome that she's a part of this because it's like most actresses i shouldn't say most actresses but like a lot of uh, famous actresses she gets her start in horror if you can call this a horror but anyways moving on to ken oland as Nathan Murphy. Uh, he had a role in V, the TV series from 1984. He was also in the movie April Fool's Day. Yes. Summer School. Yes. And the movie Digital Man, which I think I've seen. I was reading up on it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie. Moving on to now, Ozzy. The character of Ozzy was played by Mark Holton. Who was uh, Francis Buxton in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I believe he was also... Well, he, I know he was in Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2, but I remember, if I remember correctly, they called him Chubby. That was his name in the movies. Because <laughs> back in the 80s, we had... We, we didn't get so easily offended by, you know, stuff like that. He was in the movie Naked Gun. He was in Illegal Their Own. Rumpled Stiltskin. Gacy. Madhouse from 2004, which I have yet to see. I have not seen it, but I have heard some really good stuff about it. So I do want to check it out. He was also in Leprechaun's, Leprechaun Returns, which was the first Leprechaun film that Warwick Davis was not a part of. Oh, who was it? Lyndon Porco, I think it was Porco. Porco. Uh, I believe he played the leprechaun in that movie. Moving on to Robert Gorman or Robert High Gorman as Alex Murphy. And he was also in the movie Sometimes They Come Back, Stephen King flick. Well, based on Stephen King's story. Uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Mr. Nanny. 
Then we have, I'm almost done this part, by the way, guys. There's only a few more. So, uh, David Permenter as Deputy Trippett. He was also in the movie Air Force One. William Newman as Sheriff Roy Cronin. He was in movies like Squirm, Silver Bullet, Mosquito Coast, Monkey Shines. I love that movie. Funny Farm, Serpent in the Rainbow, and The Craft. Shay Duffin as Daniel O'Grady. He's the guy who basically finds a leprechaun that starts this whole shitstorm on fire. And he was also in movies like Raging Bull, Newsies, The Departed, and Beowulf. And finally, John Sanderford as JD, which is, he's basically Tori's dad. He was in movies like Firestarter, Black Scorpion, and Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. The runtime for this film is 1 hour and 32 minutes. It's rated R for language and horror violence. The budget was 1 million and the gross I've seen two different numbers. I've seen 8.6 million and 9.2 million. I'm not necessarily sure which one is the right one. But I will say this. It made more than 1 million. It it so it made some money in there somewhere. <laughs> Okay, synopsis for this film, straight off the back of the VHS box, is as follows. A horrific leprechaun goes on a rampage after his precious bag of gold is stolen. He uses his magical destructive powers to trick, terrorize, and kill anyone who is unlucky enough to hinder his relentless search. In a frantic attempt to survive the wrath of the leprechaun, Tori and her friends scramble to find the only weapon known to kill this Irish monster, a four-leaf clover. However, until they discover a four-leaf clover or return all the gold taken from the rainbow's end, their fairy tale nightmare has only just begun. So basically, the following segment is now going to be called Notes from the Three Guys That Paint. Um, <laughs> and I did that because, quite honestly, let's set the tone here. If you take this movie seriously, at all, in any way, shape, or form, you're doing it wrong. It's that simple. I Yes, while it was originally meant to be a scary horror film... Warwick Davis and Mark Jones, they both came to the agreement that a little a little humor would not hurt the character or this film. Again, if you're taking this movie seriously in any way, shape, or form, you're doing it wrong. The movie's called Leprechaun. I mean, it the, the title says it all, okay? Leprechaun. Now, Warwick Davis... While he was filming this, he was starting to actually regret doing this movie. He started to feel kind of stupid, kind of he didn't think it was going to work, whatnot. But then it was released, and fans loved it. Now, critics hated it, but fans, like, well, even that, the audience score for this is not always the greatest either. But there is a cult following, and it had actually started to make Warwick Davis feel better about playing the role. Hence, five sequels later <laughs> including movies like you know leprechaun back in the hood kind of thing like i mean they got the hint it, it it was something that did not have to be made serious because it wasn't gonna be taken seriously right the idea to add the humor almost paid off 
Again, despite what critics may say, but whatever, we don't listen to critics anyways. Only people like myself who pretend to be smart, right? No, I'm, you don't have to listen to me either. <laughs> um, and I, I, one thing I'm going to add to the that I, I really appreciate about this movie, this movie wastes no time. There's no, like, creature reveal in this thing. Like, I think it's something close to, like, a minute or two into the film. We already see the leprechaun. We see him right away, like during opening credits. The credits are rolling, and we're already seeing him. There, there was no reveal to this character. If anything, it may be the revealing of his evil nature. But they were not afraid to put, you know, your major antagonist in your face during the credits, opening credits, not closing credits. We're talking opening credits. And the movie opens up with him admiring his gold and he's, he's loving his gold. And then he's taken captive by Dan O'Grady. Dan O'Grady is basically the putz that sets this whole thing into motion. Why? Because he's greedy. Because what are humans? Humans essentially are greedy. I'm not going to lie. I'm a hoarder myself. I have what? 13, 1400 movies (laughs) that I may watch most of them only once and never again. Hey, we are what we are. We we're, creatures of material possession and money and greed and that's what humans are leprechauns know this shit that's why they hide their gold and then of course along comes dan o'grady it says i want your gold give me your gold and i'm gonna lock you in a box with a four-leaf clover on the top and i also love how this movie it wants you to know it's an irish film i mean right from the get-go it slamming you with Irish accents and different sayings and whatnot. Oh, and 10 minutes into the movie, and we're now in North Dakota. So much for being an Irish film. (laughs) We are now in America. Where they love their guns and they love to waste bullets. That's a common theme in this movie. Like, seriously, I, I don't understand. Like, first off, shooting the leprechaun doesn't kill him anyways. I don't know why at, at that point we don't say, okay, put the shotgun down. It's not working. Um, no, let's keep trying to shoot him throughout a whole fucking movie. Anyways, moving past all that, though, we'll look at Jennifer Aniston for a minute. Jennifer Aniston plays the character of Tori, and as I've already made it very clear in this episode, I am not a fan of hers very much. I don't care for the stuff she does. I'm not saying in terms of her personally, A, I don't know her personally, and B, I'm sure she's a pretty good person. I'm sure she's pretty decent. It This is not about her on a personal level. I just don't like the shit she's in. I don't care for friends. Friends, I, Friends is the thing, like seriously, it's the show I do not get. I do not know how it had such a huge following. But then again, people would say the same thing about Seinfeld. And people will say the same thing about Married with Children. Like, there's all, every show always has that thing where it's like, well, I don't know how, how it ever got big, but it did. Um, but I did say earlier, I'm okay with her being in the movie Office Space. But a lot of the other actors, I'm not going to lie, Ron Livingston, uh, Diedrich Bader, David Herman, Stephen Root, Milton, uh, what, Milton, oh, come on, Stephen Root, Gary Cole, Ajay Naidu, uh, John C. McGinley, come on, Alexandra Wentworth. 
I mean, honestly, all of them are kind of like the highlight of Office Space. Jennifer Aniston just sort of lucks out by being in that movie. But, I mean, I, I can't say that I have an issue with her being in Leprechaun. And I can't say I have an issue with her being in Office Space. So, when it comes to Jennifer Aniston... As an actress, I mean, in this movie, she's good. She's solid. She plays, I mean, she's supposed to play like the, the rich girl that's trying to like move into the, the, the sticks with her dad. And it's like, oh, we have no cable TV and oh, I hate spider webs and spider. I mean, granted, come on, they go in the basement. There's fucking tarantulas down there. It's like, well, OK, they're not like tiny little itty bitty spiders. These are the things that probably will kill you. I can kind of get her freaking out a little. Um... But I mean, that, that said, like the interesting, the really interesting part about Jennifer Aniston was the fact the studio didn't want her. That's kind of harsh. But anyways, it was Mark Jones that insisted he needed her, that he, he could see her playing the role of Tori. He knew what he wanted Tori to look like and what he wanted her to act like and sound like and feel like. And he kept pushing until they finally said yes. Um, I'm not going to lie. Being a male, we notice these things. Yes, at 24 years old, Jennifer Aniston was extremely attractive. Um, but it even goes past that, though. She's not annoying. She she seems like a natural... Well, okay, she's supposed to be playing a teenager. and She looks young enough that she pulls it off. But she does have sort of that Beverly Hills valley girlish effect going for her in this movie and it works very well works very well especially the, the the scene where she's like she goes to call on her like cell phone which is like you know the size of like three hands and it's a flip phone and she makes one call and all of a sudden the battery dies and it's like oh the battery's dead and it's like mm, yeah okay but it's just the look of the phone it looks like one of those giant like red fisher price like flip phones you buy for kids and whatnot. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but she's great in this movie. And then sadly, Friends ruined it all. But anyways, uh, you know, I, I move on from that. Um, the three guys that paint. So in other words, Nathan, Alex, and Ozzy. So, so supposedly, supposedly, Alex and Ozzy are the kids. Except Ozzy's played by Mark Holton, who is anything but a kid in this. Easily in at least his 20s, if not older. Um, but the thing is, is okay, I get where they're going with it. And, you know, his character, his character of Ozzy is a mentally challenged character. Which, in parentheses, I write. And no one even batted an eye about this in 1993. You do this today and, you know, you're going to get people that'll be like, he's misrepresenting people with their mentally challenged. Or you'll get people that are like, oh, so it's all about inclusion now. Yeah, that's how they wrote this character. There's always some controversy that has to come from the fact of somebody playing a role. In this movie, he's a mentally challenged character. Nobody thought fucking twice about it in 1993, okay? We just thought, okay, hey, that's the character they made for him. But he is far from a kid. And the fact that he gets referred to, I think at least twice in this movie is, you know, him and Alex are the kids and it's like, well, he's not a kid, um, but okay. Um, and then you have Nathan. Nathan is, Nathan is clearly the love interest for Tori. 
that pretty much gets hinted right out of the gate. Um, but I mean, like, in terms of the quote-unquote three guys that paint, I think it's Alex that pretty much takes the spotlight on that, uh, played by Robert Gorman. Uh, he is Ozzy's best friend, even though there is a huge age difference. But I guess mentally wise, the two characters would be on about the same page. Although they do treat Alex like he's the brains of the two. Um, played decently, played well, like most kid actors in a horror uh, horror movie. You know, um, there's like nothing groundbreaking here, but it's a solid character. Um. So yeah, I mean, those are the three guys. You have Tori. Uh, there's also JD, who is uh, her, her father. Uh, he's pretty minor, though. Like he's more or less there just to propel the story of why she's living in this old O'Grady house that has a leprechaun trapped in a box down in the basement. Um, moving past that now, as stated earlier, yes, Mark Jones got the idea for the leprechaun films from the Lucky Charms commercials. So here's the thing about leprechauns. They are also known as, and I know I'm going to butcher this word, but I'm going to try it anyways, is Lobersen. And it's uh, it's a Celtic word. Uh, basically means a small person. And the tradition of the leprechaun states that if you catch one, they have to show you where their hidden gold is. Now, in Celtic folk tales, uh, leprechauns are typically cranky. Uh, they are responsible for mending the shoes of other fairies. So that's why there's the scene in this in, in the movie when uh, Tori and Nathan and them are they're throwing shoes at the leprechaun. And he's going nuts. He's trying to polish all of them. It's apparently a thing with leprechauns. They, they have to polish shoes. Shoes are very integral to their character. Um, they are considered minor figures in Celtic folk- folklore. But they are also known to be tricksters. Um, and it's usually just to protect their pot of gold or their bag of gold or whatever. Like their, their treasure as, you know, they, as they see it. Um, leprechauns do have their own holiday, though. Uh, aside from St. Patrick's Day, they actually have their own holiday, which is May 13th. Did you know that May 13th is also known as National Top Gun Day? Hmm. I shit you not. Fucking Top Gun gets its own day. Of course, then again, we always say May the 4th is Star Wars Day, so I guess it's all fair and fun and games, but yeah. So leprechauns have their own holiday, though. On May 13th, it is known as National Leprechaun Day, uh, but they are celebrated with St. Patrick's Day as well, uh, and many people like to cosplay as leprechauns. So here's the thing. So using the historical backstory and the inspiration from the serial commercials, combine that all together and the leprechaun cult hit was made. And like I said, spawned technically seven sequels, but the last two didn't have Warwick, so we won't count them. I do have the box set though with all eight films. I don't think I can be, I can honestly say I do not think I've watched leprechaun origins or the or leprechaun returns yet i don't think i've actually gone gotten to them if i have i don't recall it i probably erased it from my memory um gabe bartalis known for his work on brain damage frankenhooker and basket case 2 
And I specifically had to mention the Hannah Lauder films, which I believe he also worked on Bad Biology as well. But he did all the makeup work for Leprechaun. But I had to mention it because when when I saw his name come up and I'm like, he's like Henenlotter's guy. Like, Frank Henenlotter always went to him. And I, I specifically said, like, just a couple of weeks ago, I watched a documentary off the Frank and Hooker Blu-ray. And Gabe Bartolis was part of that documentary. So it was really cool when I saw his name come up in the opening credits. I'm like, I know him. It was like, kind of like that meme that floats around of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing and it's like, I know that. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> um, now, when he was doing the special effects for this film, though, he was somewhat coerced by the studio to bring a bit more blood and gore to the film. The studio really wanted to keep the horror element alive in this in this feature, uh, even though Davis and Jones were off doing their thing, adding the humor as much as they could. The movie is not horribly gory. There is some... Cool scenes, though, um, primarily bites and uh, some scrapes on the humans. Uh, at one point, uh, lubed in the leprechaun, loses his hand in the door, which I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. But, you know, uh, it, anyways, part of his hand falls off. And then we get like sort of like an evil dead or like, you know, a thing kind of uh, moving hand kind of scene in the movement and in the movie and whatnot. So, I mean, that happens. Probably the most ludicrous scene, at least for me in the movie, <laughs> and there's a lot of them. I mean, it, this movie hits it on all sil cylinders with the humor. But when the cop pulls Lubedin over because he's driving one of the little automated cars down the road, and like the cop is in, he's insisting that it's a kid, and then he's like getting mouthy with quote unquote the kid. Because, you know, the kid's like, oh, I'm a leprechaun. And he's like, okay, smart ass and stuff. And I'm like, is this really how this would play out in the real world? Like, I, I don't know about that. Furthermore, I mean, I don't think you would be asking as many questions. And I don't think the small little motorized car would be going as fast as it does in this movie. Although I did read also that um, the scene when the leprechaun is on the tricycle and he's chasing Tori... Uh, the way they had to film that, they had to slow, like, Jennifer Aniston basically had to run slowly so Warwick Davis could keep up with her because he was having a hard time with the tricycle. And then they sped it up in post to make it look like she was actually running and he was going fast. And so, you know, behind the scenes kind of cool shit that happens with this movie. But unfortunately, um, the thing is, is that even as much as the movie is gory, it's really not that scary, which I will highlight on in a second. But um, yeah, so Gabe, Gabe had his idea of what he wanted to do. The studio kind of pushed for a little bit more, but he overall had no problem with it because he's like, okay, fine, I'll do what you want because I can and because he knew what he was doing. Um, just quickly to note the music score of Kevin Kiner. Uh, it's fun. It's soft. It's not, there's, it doesn't add anything in terms of tension or anxiety or fear or, you know, nothing to the feel of the movie, but it's still a great score. And I noticed a common comparison. A lot of people were saying they felt that it had like a slight Elfman ish feel to it. Like Danny Elfman, um, I kind of feel that it has that feeling, but it doesn't. 
but I can I can see where people are coming from when when they were saying that. Um, the thing with Kevin Kiner is obviously he moved on to way better things as uh, as his career went on, especially with all the Star Wars animated stuff he's done and now doing DC TV series like Titans and Doom Patrol and whatnot. So I mean, Kevin Kiner's given himself like quite a successful career, and a lot of that started within this this era. So that's kind of cool. But to get back to what I was just saying about the movie's overall feel and aesthetic and whatnot, which is probably the thing that hurts the movie the most, especially in terms of the critics. It is not scary at all. Even though it was meant to be a scary film, it is not scary. There's barely any tension at all. Even the jump scares don't scare. They don't cause you to jump. They don't cause you to freak out. I mean, the movie Making Contact, or it was otherwise known as Joey in the European releases, is a scarier movie than this. And if you've ever seen Making Contact, it's not a scary movie either. But that ventriloquist doll in that fucking movie is the fucking, it's nightmare fuel. But it's not a scary movie. This is even less scarier than that. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of the look of the leprechaun, yeah, he's kind of creepy looking and whatnot. I mean, that's all credit to Gabe, but it's not a scary movie. Uh, kids could watch this movie. It, the reason it's rated R, I think, what, Jennifer Aniston says fuck like three times, and you do have some blood, maybe like the severed hand, but the severed hand, I mean, we had, you know, Thing in the Adams Family was, you know, creeping around in 1964 to 66 on TV. And that was for, it was a family show. Like, it wouldn't scare kids. What Leprechaun does have working for it is it's entertaining as fuck. I mean, turn your brain off, okay? That, that's the thing. It's it's like I said earlier. You know, if, if you're looking for something serious or you're taking this movie seriously, you're doing it wrong. Turn your brain off. Expect the movie to do what it's going to do. And it's going to tell you a silly little story based off of some old Celtic folklore. And the movie can actually be quite enjoyable. And yes, suspend disbelief, okay? Like, seriously. At one point, the fucking leprechaun is driving a little motorized car and he flips a truck over. It's no, that's not going to, it's not going to happen, but... Just go into it expecting to see stupid shit. <laughs> you you can enjoy this movie. It actually does work. But when you take it too serious, then you become one of these critics. One of these credit critics like Eddie Harris of Film Authority that said the movie was straight to VHS rubbish. I, I can understand it going straight to VHS. I wouldn't call it rubbish. I mean, yeah, it's it's a joke of a movie, but this is why Warwick Davis was like, hey, let's put some humor in this, because if we do this too seriously, it's not going to work. He had, he was on to something. Uh, Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Craze said, Warwick Davis is slick as this monster with pretty solid makeup effects. That's all credit to Gabe. But it's just a shame it's misused. But is it? I mean, honestly, are leprechauns considered to be that fearful of creatures? Are we actually that scared of leprechauns? I don't think so. 
uh, Jason Bailey of FlavorWire had this to say. He basically, his whole thing was, this basic problem with Leprechaun is that it just isn't scary, not even a little bit, not even for the tiniest second. And that's the result of a basic failure at the conception stage. But what the fuck do you want the movie to do to make it scary? I don't understand. And then Mark Savloff of the, uh, of the Austin Chronicle gave the movie zero out of five stars. I have three words for this guy. Go fuck yourself. Look, I get it. This movie is not anywhere close to the level of Dream Warriors. I'm talking Nightmare on Elm Street 3. The Exorcist, The Shining. It's not fucking Rosemary's Baby. I get it. But it's more appealing than Bunny Man Massacre. And even at that, Bunny Man Massacre isn't zero out of five stars. I said this, what, was it last episode or the episode before? If you're giving a movie a zero out of five stars or zero out of ten or whatever, you are a cuck. You are a fucking asshole is what you are. You know what? No. This movie has a cult following for a reason, and it's because it's fun. It's because it's it's joyful in its own little stupid way. And even some of the sequels are just as beloved as the premiere film is. Here's the podcast zero rating on this, okay? This is what I, this is my view on all of this. It's a silly movie, yes. It's not scary. Yes, I get it. It's not scary at all. Very low budget looking. And you know what? I appreciate that look and feel. Because sometimes the most low budget looking films are also the ones with the most passion and the most fun that was had. Warwick Davis is definitely the star as he should be. He's your title character. If he doesn't work, the rest of the film is a failure. He works. That's all we needed. Jennifer Aniston, one of the few times I actually enjoy watching her act. I mean, I'm proud to have this movie in my collection, and I'm not a Jennifer Aniston fan. It's a St. Patrick's Day tradition for myself, as well as Sci-Fi Network and AMC and how many hundreds of thousands of people that do this every year that are like, oh, today I'm going to watch Leprechaun. I, along some, some people like to watch Maniac Cop as well because it takes place on St. Patrick's Day. I get it. Um, I don't love this movie, but I surely do not hate it. It is not zero out of five stars rating. Uh, that is a bullshit call. For myself, I give it two leaves of a four-leaf clover. Or five out of ten. It's 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 a, it's it's a decent flick. It's it's just fun, you know. Uh, it, it's not it's not Beaster Day or well, it was a Beaster Day, and then what else did they call that movie? Can't remember. Um, it has two titles. Bunny Man Massacre uh, is a completely different thing altogether. Um, I mean, it's not Thanks Killing, right? I mean, there was another cheesy fucking movie, and Thanks Killing Three. What? Jesus, the movie was horrible. I at least enjoyed the first one, but I mean, this movie's not supposed to win Oscars. Sometimes I really think that critics don't get it. Go in and watch a movie. I understand you're supposed to look what's wrong. You know, look for what's wrong in a movie. But you're taking it too fucking serious. The movie's called Leprechaun. We get it. It's two leaves of a four-leaf clover, okay? Just please take the fist out of your ass and unfuck yourself. Jeez. And I apologize for that beautiful visual, but my God. When I saw his, he wasn't the only one. 
there was like three other critics I saw gave it zero out of five or zero out of ten. I'm like, you know what? Quit your day job. On that note, let's end this off in a good mood. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, kids. Uh, this was uh, this was a fun one to do because I enjoyed watching this. I know, two weeks late, but whatever. <laughs> I didn't expect Justice League to, you know, do what it did. Not only did it impress me, it impressed the masses and everyone else along with it. So, I mean, like, it, it was awesome. It did great. Um, but thank you for being patient and waiting for this episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, we'll quickly do the where to find the podcast, the social media shit. Lurker's recommendation. I'm going to announce episode 90. And then uh, we'll call it a day. How's it sound? So first off, if you're looking for the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, any of the streaming apps. Pretty much it's on almost all of them now with uh, Amazon and Stitcher coming, I believe. But yeah, we're, we're the show's pretty much anywhere you can find it. Podbean is another one. It's on there. FM player, whatnot. It, it, wherever you listen to podcasts, odds are the show is there. Or you can go to the nextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. You can find the show there. Or at whatworksbehindpodcastzero.com. I mean, it can't get much easier than that, right? Uh, on social media... The podcast can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Facebook, facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcastzero. On Instagram, at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero. And on Twitter, at WLBpodcastzero. And that's that. Lurker's Recommendation. I know, I go back to comic books again. But this is actually really cool. It's been out for a few weeks now. And I was really impressed when I saw it so I wanted to kind of mention it there is um, a YouTube channel uh, Bat in the Sun they do a lot of comic book based uh, superhero stuff and whatnot. but they recently released a short um, a short film called Batman Dying is Easy okay no it's 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 not mainstream Batman. This is a different kind of Batman. This is a, this Batman really works, actually. He's really fucking good. But it's the exchange between him and the Joker that makes it all worth it. And the two actors are just acting their asses off. It is a thing of beauty to watch. So I wanted to mention that. If you haven't checked it out, you can watch it on YouTube for free. It's been put there uh, by the creators for everyone to watch and see. If anything, just the exchange between Batman and Joker will blow your mind. Um, so Batman Dying is Easy is a short film on YouTube. Episode 90. Okay, so I did say after doing this episode, we were going to go into kind of a superhero theme for the podcast for the month of April. Uh, when I say that, I mean, I'm not. we're not going to sit here and talk about, you know... Uh, Marvel movies and shit like that. Marvel movies are for another podcast. They are not for this one. Um, that said, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to take away from the Marvel films. They're all very entertaining and whatnot, but they're not meant for this podcast. 
So when I say I'm going to do superheroes, I'm kind of going more darker. Um, and uh, episode 90 will feature a superhero character, sort of. 1997 starring Michael Jai White We're going with the movie Spawn as the first one we will do um, and that will be next week's episode so I'm looking forward to talking about that I'm not going to lie I'm giving you guys a, a quick heads up on this I'm not 100% familiar with Spawn from the comics I do remember the animated show and I remember the movie the comics I've read issues here and there. I didn't. I never did read a consistent story arc, so shame on me for that. But the the spawn we'll be talking about will focus mo- mostly on the film, possibly a little throwback to the cartoon series from HBO. But um, uh, in terms of comics, I know some of it. I don't know a lot of it, and I, I'm being very honest about that. When it comes to comics, I'm primarily a DC kid, and Spawn didn't fall into that realm. So I will admit, though, Spawn has some of the most gorgeous artwork I've ever seen. Todd McFarlane is a genius. That's all I would say on that. Anyways, we're going to close out with <laughs> typically a House of Pain song, because why not? Might as well finish out with the Irish theme. Um, again, thanks for listening. Next week, Spawn. That's it. The show's over. You may go back to your regularly scheduled lives. And I'm done. That's it. It's cut. You need to shut the fuck up. Stephen King writes horror. If I was a Jew, then I'd like a menorah. I got arms for ya. Excuse me, senora. Are you a horror? Are you a lady? Is it Erica Boyer or Marsha Brady? Let me know, hun. The deed'll get done. Just us in the position. I'll take my rod and then I'll go fishing. I'll get your river flowing. I'm always in the knowing. It comes to giving pleasure. I'm every woman's treasure. I came to work your body so I can do my job. I've never been laid off. My rhyme is still paid off. Cause now I'm making records. Now I'm making tapes. Steady busting suckers in bunches like grapes Making all the pace Scooping up the loot Putting suckers on the run Pull my gun in and I shoot I never been a front I never been a fraud I got a natural skill for that I thank the Lord Cause I feel blessed I'm casually dressed I always got my gun But I never wear a vest I'm quick on the draw Like a horse named McCaw From the cartoon Boom, shalak, la